Welcome to the Lit Podcast, presented by Culturally Lit. Culturally Lit is an organization created to amplify and cultivate awareness of the arts of the African diaspora. The Lit Podcast will feature artists and arts programming that enhance the significance of the culture for everyone. Listen and be enlightened. The Lit Podcast is produced by Baobab Tree Studios. Greetings, everyone. How are you? I'm Ife Michelle, founder of Culturally Lit. And tonight, tonight, my guest is Abiodun Oyewole of the infamous Last Poets. <laughs> the first poet. Let me stop. <laughs> yeah, but the, longest... say, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. There we go. And, and tonight we are here in Black History Month, <laughs> with because um, we live Black History all the time. I'll be a dude all the time. Okay. You know, and I was thinking when when you had invited me, I was thinking, you know, my my favorite Black History poem is probably the shortest Black History poem, but it's by Langston Hughes. The Negro speaks of rivers. You, you know, you know that that yeah. poem. Go ahead, it's, dude. Go ahead. It, it, um, you yeah. know, back for those that are listening, a while ago, black people referred to themselves as Negroes. And as time moved on, we started to recognize that that was a made up term that didn't, it did not, people are usually named after the land which they come from. There's no place on the planet that I know of called Negroa. And, and so there was an effort to actually detach us from my motherland, which is of course Africa. And so uh, we had a lot of poets during the Renaissance movement of the 20s and 30s. There were poets like Claude McKay and County Cullen, and of course the infamous Langston Hughes. And Langston Hughes was a real Harlem poet. He lived in Harlem and he reflected the energy and the delight, the zeal and the resilience of black people in his poetry. And uh, he did a poem called The Negro Speaks of Rivers, which is probably, is, in my mind, it's one of the greatest Black history poems of all time because he used rivers to give you a kind of a roadmap as to where we come from. Wow. He says, the Negro speaks of rivers. I've known rivers, ancient dusky rivers, and my soul has grown deep like the rivers. I bathed in the Euphrates when dawns were young. I built my hut near the Congo and it lulled me to sleep. I heard the sing I I know I, I built my I built my hut near the Congo to lulled me to sleep. I, I saw the Nile and built the pyramids above it. I heard the sing of the Mississippi when Abe Lincoln went down to New Orleans. And I've seen its muddy bosom turn all golden in the sunset. I've known rivers, ancient dusky rivers, and my soul has grown deep like the river. That's an, a significant piece because it says, you know, I mean, that first line, I've known rivers ancient as a soul. I, 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 bathed, I bathed in Euphrates when dawns were young. That's such a beautiful way to say I was here in the beginning of time. <laughs> that's right because we were and we've come across a lot of rivers do if you can just center yourself yeah there we go <laughs> <laughs> um wow that's a, a great way to lead because like i just thought about significance of our culture and in how we the significance in the of, of our culture and the lack of awareness sometimes with us, ourselves, and of course, other people. Um, and I was going to open, I, I I wrote a poem from the, yes. in the Every Kind of Lady and Her Sisters pages. Okay, let's <laughs> from, hear it. From um, Enzima from Harvard's Lit, and it's called Cultural Pride. All right. Cultural Pride, to say you love your own culture does not mean you hate another for loving mm -hmm. their own culture. We can all merge in, in a place of learning about our differences by listening and learning about 
what it is that is different. The universe was created to accommodate all the diversities, to live on a planet so vast that wherever you go, you learn. Wherever you may go, you are open to the blessings of another experience, of the ways in which others are being. Whenever you open your mind to how others live and how another believes, you are open to the possibility of living without fear of the unknown because it is in the fear in the fear of the unknown where the mind is limited and that is boxed in a way that that is boxed in a way of living in hate and despair cuz i that, truly believe baby that is your poem is on point very much so I mean, um, it was more of a discourse than poetic, but the, the discourse was vital. It's like, if we understood that each one of us are flowers and each flower is different, but the flowers together make up a garden and it's a beautiful garden. You know, I don't wanna have a garden where every flower is a rose and looks the same. Give me some variety, give me roses and gardenias and, and, and four o'clocks and sunflowers and tulips and violets. That's what makes the world beautiful. And recognizing that, but we're all in the ground, we're all rooted in the soil, and we all are breathing the air, and we need that. And we're in the same garden. Why can't we at least try to understand and get along? It's not that difficult. We People need people. There was a song by Barbara Streisand when I was a kid. People, people who need people. That's important. And it still is important because we're human beings, and human beings need to share and socialize. Uh, of course, during this pandemic, many of us had to go into isolation for a number of reasons, but the fact is that if we were really being sensible and being who we're supposed to be, we'll find a way to still communicate with one another and being and respect the fact that, yes, cultures are different, We, which means a way of life. I mean, I like collard greens. Somebody else may like broccoli. I'm not saying that you're your broccoli is bad or my collard greens is bad. You enjoy your greens and I'll enjoy my greens. <laughs> and people cook greens in different ways. Like everybody Absolutely. don't use the same way. Everybody don't use the same seasoning. And the Caribbean people got one way of doing it and we got another way of doing it. And it's like a combination of things. Absolutely. And that's what makes life a joy. It's not just one thing. I mean, there's a variety of things. And it's that variety that makes, as they say, the spice of life. And uh, folks don't want to get with the spice. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to get with the spice. But I, uh, one of the reasons um, this poem came to me was I was thinking about how there is, within with our own people, there's so much discourse and lack of self-awareness. Or like we're one of the few, we're, our, our culture in this country is thought of as something dark or something that is that is like militant. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or like you were saying earlier um, when we were talking before we got on air about being a nationalist. Right. Being a nationalist does not mean that you're going to shoot everybody. <laughs> no. It's not a radical thing. It means like nope. it's self-awareness. I'm, I'm, I appreciate the nation in which my people come from. That's all. That's it. That's it. I appreciate it. I want. I. I know about it. I'm aware of it, and I want to bring it to the table, because we do live in a melting pot, right? Right. And it's getting more and more mixed, because like we got all kinds of biraciality happening. Listen, if that people are, are are are, I have a, my niece is her mother's Puerto Rican. And her, my brother. So she, she calls herself Afro Latina. She claims it. She claims both cultures. That's hey, a beautiful listen. thing. They have, have like, everybody got some spice in them. <laughs> both. But of you know what? Remember Chuck D and and Public Enemy some time ago. I think they did an album called uh, Be, um, uh, um, "Fear of the Black Planet." Mm. You see, that's what that's what the. The, the Donald Trumps of the world, white supremacists are worried about that they're going to lose this white aura of greatness and it's going to all just fade away. The truth is that white is a recessive gene and it definitely doesn't have any staying power. The world, I'm, I'm pretty sure right now, America has more people of color than they have white people. 
But the census report's not going to exactly announce that because that's kind of scary to them. Why should it be scary to them? When we were brought here to take care of these people and we did not come here with machetes cutting off their heads. We came here and we worked. We fed them, even breastfed them. We're still doing that. We, are, we, we take care of them more than we take care of ourselves. There is no reason to fear black people and 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 obviously they've come to realize that they need us to sustain their culture. So integration is being promoted like it's the latest thing since sliced bread. You you well, never natural way of I, I feel like it's a natural way things are going to happen anyway because right. because after a while like we're all on this together. Like I, I I believe in like the reason I started the lit fest <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and culturally lit is to increase everybody's awareness right? about the significance of our culture. Cause our culture is significant. There are so many, our literature, our talents. I mean, listen, Benjamin there, there would be no the top cartographer of the, <laughs> of the country. There'd be no American culture if there was no black culture. I mean, we have given, we have provided a generator for other cultures to thrive and survive because we have, in our worst condition, we still had a way of living that sustained us and not only sustained us, but empowered us with whatever power we could, we could muster up to actually claim. I mean, it's an amazing story. And our story has yet to be told, honestly. But the fact that we're here and we are still working speaks volumes. The the generations of resilience that have come about, because as we celebrate, like all these people scrambling, scrambling, scrambling. Right. Like all of a sudden in January to have a speaker for Black History or a Black History Month program. And they only think about it right before it happens. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and the same thing happens during like during Kwanzaa. Oh, we got to have Kwanzaa. Like, uh oh, it's December. Christmas. Oh, we got to have Kwanzaa. Like, and it's a scramble. And it doesn't yeah. have to be a scramble if it is already a part of your rhythm, a part of you, how you live. Absolutely. And so, so we know we have, I mean, when in Kwanzaa, there are seven principles that should be adhered to every day, not just the seven days that we celebrate. I mean, God knows we need to have Ujama and Ujima and Nia and Imani. All those things need to be in existence in our day-to-day -day lives. It's not just for that particular time of the year. Black history is every single day. And what we're doing right now is historical. Every, everything we do. So we need to recognize the value of who we are and we need to start taking ourselves a lot more seriously. Many of us are still waiting on other people to, uh, in, to actually approve us oh. or to sanction us, to give oh. us a heads up or a green light. We can give ourselves a green light. Yeah. One of the, one of the, while I was planning this up in New England because I, I feel like too in New England um folks don't realize like they, they figure all the segregation was happening in the south and people came up here and there was a there was a quiet segregation <laughs> and a lot of stuff happening up here people didn't get promotions I mean my grandparents came up from Georgia and North Carolina your people came up from to New York from Somewhere from Cincinnati, mm -hmm. over, yeah, <laughs> Georgia, Georgia, and Cincinnati, and it's like they were looking for another way, but we all had we had to make a niche. Exactly, we are all, all of a sudden becomes in fashion or becomes the most popular place to be because we had we were in Harlem jamming at the Cotton Club, then all of a sudden, oh, that's the place to go. So during right. the Renaissance, all white, right in the smack dab of where all the black people live in Harlem. Right. Was, but you was, know one thing, Ife, that we have to take into consideration 
we've always had ideas of working together and we've been able to do that. I understand that we had a number of towns right after slavery was supposed to have been over. A lot of independent black towns existed throughout this entire country. But you see, we have to be reminded, we were not brought here to be independent. We were brought here to help somebody else's independence. And that is what they, that's a program that they have on the table that they're not gonna get rid of. When we have, when we have places like Rosewood, which was a thriving town, Black Wall Street was one of the richest city uh, towns in the country at that particular time. I mean, and then we had right here in New York City, Seneca Village, I mean, which was a place where Central Park is now standing. And you have stories like this all over the country where black folks got together, tried to maintain for themselves, pass the money around within their own community. And somebody said, no, we didn't bring you here for that. We brought you here to serve us. You cannot serve yourself. You must serve us. That's an issue. And, and, and we get all frustrated and wonder how come this doesn't work. We have to realize the blueprint was not for us to be here to prosper. We are here to help others prosper. We were the mules or the tools used to make others rich. We are not supposed to be rich ourselves. Yeah, and those communities that you were talking about, like in the midst of, of the segregation of not wanting us to to not wanting to shop with us or live with us or be with us. Okay. So we're going to go over here and do it ourselves. Right. Okay. We work for you. Like, listen, tradition, right. all the things that traditionally, well, we, we get, okay, give me my paycheck. I'm going to take it back to my community because you don't want me to buy anything. You're going to give me the worst right. in the store. Right. Or you, or you going to give me times to shop. So we're going to have our own shops and our own thing over here. But then you get angry. <laughs> I think there's a lot of there's a, an unawareness amongst us and also amongst a lot of white folks that live that are liberal and mean well, but don't right. understand the whole psychology of it. And it's not that, you know, a lot of times they say, you know, you when you when you express some things or you bring some facts to light that you're angry. I'm not angry. No. I just need you to understand the process that my people had to go through and why I'm, I'm standing, I, my stand is where it is right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I remember someone was telling me about uh, Black Wall Street. They said that when, and they, they call it a riot, which, which was, that's not true. It wasn't a riot. It was a massacre more or less. Ambush. Was, uh, when they said the white people came into into um, Little Africa or Black Wall Street and they went into the black folks' houses, they say, where they get this furniture? How they get, where they get this and, and the thing about it, we had made that furniture. It wasn't like we had imported it from Paris someplace. We we have skills. We're craftsmen. I didn't. I realized that when they put us on those boats from West Africa, they didn't get no ragamuffins. They got folks that had skills that knew some things. They got people who were crafty, who could who could provide you with some knowledge and some ability to build and create and help something to be nurtured to live. They didn't just pick up anybody. They got some royalty. Even though they damn near kill people coming over. Because I like I still can't wrap my head around the mentality of, and I might write about this sometime. Like, if you are bringing somebody over to be a, in a workforce, right? how would you starve them? Mm. If the attraction is going to be to sell the person, right? how much, how, how muscular they are or how good their body is, you just you just brought them across the ocean, right? In the worst conditions. The worst condition. In the worst conditions. So and, you and, and didn't care if people like fell overboard or died, or how they were being kept. So this, this is like, make up your mind. I mean, and the mentality kind of still remains today because it's like when you when you when you have, I've been of course as many of us, the only flying the buttermilk in a lot of situations where they, they come up and say, oh, well, you're so intelligent. Well, what the hell did you say? <laughs> yeah. Or, <laughs> oh my. Yeah, yeah they're going to send you out. You're the only one. <laughs> <laughs> or that's they great... with the, the only one. Yeah, that's a great line. I remember when uh, the O.J. Simpson case uh, had happened and he was found not guilty. I had a professor who lived down the hall from me 
and he and he he and he uh, came to me in the elevator. He says, "You're an intelligent man, like nobody else is intelligent but me." He says, "Why are people applauding O.J. Simpson being found not guilty?" And I said, "You don't understand." I said, "I said, come on, this is the first time a black man has ever been found not guilty for killing a white person." I said, "It is about time." I said, "You know what I mean? White folks have killed black people, and they never even went to trial." And the man stopped talking to me. He, the man, the, the guy, he never spoke to me ever again. <laughs> Your Colombian neighbor. <laughs> right. My Colombian neighbor, he just cut me off altogether because I'm saying something that he just could not believe that we could celebrate because he just knew OJ was guilty. Yes, he's guilty. I would agree with you. He's totally guilty. But this, he got away with murder. Wow, that's a big deal. How many, the boys, the, the young men, the men that killed Emmett Till, they were found, they were acquitted. And when the Life magazine reporter interviewed them, she said, Why did you all kill that boy? And the man said, We don't want nobody coming here changing our culture. And wow. so that is a strong statement. Because he was a black boy from Chicago. And he and he and the thing about it, the woman I understand recently died, and she even recanted what she said. She rescinded and says he never really said anything out of order to me. But yet she told her one of her nephews or relatives, and they went and dragged that boy out to his uncle's house. And we know what happened. They beat him to a pulp. They threw and him in the river. And that's many of the ones. He's one of the many we don't know about. Exactly. I mean, I think in our life, we just recently saw a judge seemingly show some some kind of justice with the Ahmad Arbery case because those men chased that brother around the neighborhood because he was jogging. And like the judge said, he was jogging and you had him running for his life. And he gave them all life sentences without parole. That was, that's deep because it means that you're going to be in jail for the rest of your life. You're going to die there. And they need to get that. They need to have that in their minds because you, you you chased the brother down and killed him for no reason. And they got this hate thing on the board that added some more time to their situation. So, but that's all because we're still dealing with people who are very insecure. And if you're insecure and you're not you're not certain about yourself, you're gonna have issues with everybody around you. And especially if somebody gives a the appearance that they're more confident than you. And black folks always give that appearance. We may not have a dime in our pockets, but we look like we're rich because of our attitude. And that that infuriates some people. How dare them laugh so loud and act so so boisterous? They don't have nothing to be boisterous about. We have our lives. We have our experience of being on this planet and and feeling we belong on this planet. So we act like that. And that really makes some people upset. But it's all part of a of it's 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 historical. It goes back to many many years, and, and unfortunately, it's going to continue. The killings of black folks are not going to stop because we have too many white folks, especially police officers, who feel very very uptight about black people being uh, so cocky and confident. Yeah, like a there's a whole like like. You get it's, it's it's somewhat exhausting, but there was an incident like last week or something in a in a mall in New Jersey where a white boy was harassing some black kids in their face, and one of the young men like swatted his hand out of his face, and then they got into it. The police came and handcuffed the black dude and sat the white boy down. I know, I saw that. Yeah, that was horrible. And and it's obvious. And then they and then they're saying, "Oh well, we have we have to have some more investigation around this fifty. Like right now, you can't get away with nothing. Everybody got a camera out. Everybody That's right. got a camera out. The police cameras don't have to be on because people. I mean, we wouldn't have known about George Floyd if that young lady. Not, if it wasn't for that sister Danielle, we would not have known anything. That and and, 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 and you know, her life, her life was threatened. Her and her family had to move. Wow." Like, that travesty with that 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 just it's just it, it's enraging but it's also sad and so it gets 
you know, it gets some of us to a point where there we have no expectation beyond what we see. Now, I'm not saying it's all all the folks. <laughs> mm. Got some good white folks out there <laughs> that are comrades, mm. but you still have a certain level of understanding of how we have to maintain and live that you don't get, and you're not gonna get it. Yeah. You know, my whole thing is that at this point in time, we need to recognize our strength is with us. And we don't need to put on a parade. We don't have to call it a movement. Just start supporting each other in our communities. Just It doesn't have to be a national thing. It could be local. But we need to support and build where we're at and do things that we can do for each other right where we're at. I mean, I, I, love, I love what LeBron James has done because he comes from Akron, Ohio, and he has never forgotten that. So he builds a school for at-risk kids in his town of Akron because he knows that there's a high rate of those boys going to end up in jail. He wants to detour them from that. He wants to, he wants to stop that trip from being in, inevitable. And then after he did the school, he realized that the conditions that they were trying to study were horrible. So he builds houses for their parents. I mean... These are the things that we can do if we have the ability and the tools to work with, but we need to just, without making a whole lot of noise, do whatever we can to lift each other up and to help support each other. And those of us who are getting that support need to be grateful enough to try to help themselves because sometimes you can help somebody, but then they don't really do the work to help themselves and consequently our efforts go in vain. But that's the effort that I see, especially now, that would that's 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 the movement to just look out for each other and without any malice for somebody else, without hate, without making name calling, build and do what we can do to teach each other, to expose each other to the beauty and the magnificence and the significance of who we are as a people. And every and meet everybody where they're at, because it's like there's education, there's there's also training in in different areas. Right. Everybody is not always ready and to be in school. I remember as a as a young woman, well, as a little girl, because I had Coke bottle glasses mm-hmm. <laughs> going um uh when I went to the black school with public school, mm-hmm. when the black kids said, Oh, you think you smart. <laughs> oh, you think, well, like we in school. Uh-huh. You should be smart. Like <laughs> come on, come on. Like in and, and, and just not realizing that like conditions of how people are is what they what they how they come and how they appear. So it's like there there gotta be ways of showing of showing of um doing things within our community that are, are beneficial for us on all levels. Absolutely. That that's that's the movement in a nutshell. You know, just right where you, where you are at, you start building. You build your pyramid in your backyard. Absolutely. Because we need people to fix the cars, <laughs> to do all the other, to do all the things. We need all that. We need we need carpenters, plumbers, electricians, of course, lawyers and doctors. We need all of it. You know, I always tried to figure out what was this argument between Booker T and WB. WB was talking about that talented 10th, and Booker T was talking about learning some handicrafts, some things that we could put on. We need all of that, all of that. There's, there's nobody is more valuable than anyone else. And like you say, everybody is not going to sit in a classroom and, and deal with all that book learning. They've got other skills, and those skills can be used to help build the nation that we're talking about. We have the tools. We have the wherewithal. It's just a matter of having the confidence and the knowledge as to how we should administer the tools that we have. And and and, and for me, because I'm Ife, I love art and culture. The right. art is significant. Very. For everybody, it 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 can, it affects you all in all ways. I mean, and we are art. We are our, our people are art. And Absolutely. We made up all the dance. We we come up with every dance. In every century, ever since everybody got <laughs> the way we talk, the way we talk and walk is artistic. 
we're 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 a living example of how art lives in human beings' day to day existence. We turn a a, a handshake into some artistic form, into a symbol. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, look at look at all the. I mean, they, we got so many secret handshakes. I mean, look at the Divine Nine. And and you know what's so funny, Faye? If you go to West Africa and check out the languages, there's no word for art in West Africa. It's understood if you're born, you have art in you. Wow. That's, a part, that's a part of your breath. There's no word for art. They just that's automatically it's assumed. It's ingrained in the culture. It's in the culture. It's just it's automatically ingrained in the culture. Exactly. And and that is something that that I am working to do with what I'm building here with Culturally Lit to get people to have an appreciation for it and understand that the, the depths and the levels of all the things that, that comes with it um, and that go behind the art, making the art. Musicians need a studio, need rehearsal space, instruments that are, are up to par and to keep them up to be able to keep them up, to be able to afford them. Dancers need space and time <laughs> create. Um, and, 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 the and, the, and on the continent, they understand that. Yes. People, artists are, are valued. Artists are the reflection of life and they, and they help us celebrate life by being that reflection. And without art, it's hard to recognize the value of your life. It's through the art that you realize the value. It's through the art that you celebrate your life. It's through the art that you that you actually praise God. It's through the art. When you're being creative, you're actually you're, you're communicating with the God inside of you. That is that's the art because we are all creations. Our absolute being here is an artistic adventure. And we can name that creator, Buddha, Jesus, Yahweh, Jehovah, doesn't matter. The fact is that we have been created and we've been given a whole place to live and grow in. This earth should be paradise for every human being. But because of man, his greed and his lack of understanding, it makes it a miserable place for quite a few people. And it should never be that. But, but it's through our art that we can get back to healing. Right now, I'm very upset that many of our hip hop artists haven't started writing lyrics to try to make us recognize how we can heal ourselves throughout this, pan this pandemic. They got words. I mean, there are things we can do to offset this loneliness. We've got a lot of young kids who are killing themselves and that's not our thing. We don't usually do stuff like that, but they've been haunted by the fact that they can't socialize with each other so they got all this pent up emotion and they don't know what to do. Folks are out of sorts and out of sync. And you got rap, it's still running its mouth like it's got diarrhea, but it's not saying anything. And this is the time to say something that could be uplifting, that can help us hold on and recognize that we can fight this and we will, we will win this battle and it will not last forever. This is a time to try to teach and heal. There's room for that. And, and, and every artist should recognize that's the responsibility that you have if you care about the people you're trying to reach. There are a great number of poets now that are talking about that and, and, and speaking to that. Good. Um, and folks that are self, um, what do they call it? Self-care is, is a big word now. <laughs> okay. Everybody's into self-care. Whether it's chilling at your house, whether it's and, and I, I believe that even though we were isolated in the pandemic and a lot of people feeling lonely, we also learn ways of self-care within. Yes. And it's very key. But I also believe in the recharging and rejuve arts is recharging and rejuvenating our celebrating within our culture, whether it's whether you go to church because that. First, the first theater for everybody is the black church. Come on. Absolutely. <laughs> Outside of what's on TV now. 
and, and this pandemic has made us take some time. It's forced us to look introspective, to check ourselves out, to do some self-inventory. And it should. We all need to do a little self-inventory, recognize what we've got and what we need, and move on it. I mean, I tell people, you got time now to practice some stuff that you say you wanted to do before that you never had time to do. Don't be wasting this time. Time is precious. I always, when I was in the joint, I used to say to people, I'm not here to serve time. I'm here to get time to serve me. And we need to continue that concept and recognize that we're the masters of time and space, nobody else. And we're resilient. We have survived many, yes. many other things. I think a lot of- we have, We've survived the worst. You can't, what we're going through right now, a lot of us see is very uncomfortable wearing masks and the virus and blah, blah. But we've been through worse than this, come on. Like you talked about the slave ships and being on, uh, please. Um, and Mary Baraka had a line in one of his poems that was one of my greatest lines. He said, there is an underground railroad made of bones at the bottom of the sea, which, which tells me that we were coming over here from West Africa and many of our brothers and said, you know what? I don't like where we're going. And I'm not, I, I don't think I want to make that journey. I think I'll wait for the next life. And they jumped overboard. So that, that was the Underground Railroad at the bottom of the sea. We've been through hell and back a few times. And as long as we're being, the world is being run by the silly child, we're going to see hell a few more times because they don't know about heaven. Heaven is a bigger responsibility. Heaven means that you've got to be a straight up good person. You can't be an evil, nasty, deceitful human being. You've got to be straightforward. You have to walk with integrity. And the character that's running things right now, the people in charge, their integrity is kind of threadbare. It's not real. Well, we see that coming out in a lot of ways. Around, a lot of ways. Around the world. Um, the yeah. false, the, the, not false, but the, the, the acquisition of power. <laughs> yep. And all that. But um, back on... Uh, how, you know, reflecting reflections of Black History Month. And um, I just, I'd really like to hear about a little bit what you talked about with the corporation you presented. Um, well, you know, there was um, this white woman, they called her Central Park Karen. I didn't realize that if you're, if you're a white woman and you cry wolf, meaning that some Black man is attacking you or trying to do something to you, and it's really a lie, I understand that the people put in that word, the name Karen before you. So we had Central Park Karen, and there was another Karen that did something. But but white woman, you know what, like the, the, I tell you, the original Karen, I'm, I'm thinking of the one who claimed that the Scott, remember Scott's World Wars way back in the day? Oh my gosh. That's a detrimental they, Karen. Huh? The, the, that's a detrimental Karen. Oh my God. And they were all put in prison for a long time, I think. Just a few years back, uh, one of them was released mm -hmm. after being there for most like 50 years, something crazy. But uh, but this white woman said that they were that the boys, about nine of them, were looking at her with the intent to rape her. But nobody ever touched her. Nobody said anything to her. And they all were arrested and put in jail for rape. I mean, it was a horrendous case. And 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 you say, wow. So this is see, no, there is nothing new. It's all been done already. Uh, but how do we uh, how do we deal with this? Because these patterns, this this is going to continue. This is the way they do things. They like the 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 case even with um with with Ahmaud Aubrey. I understand that when they first brought it to the prosecutor, she even said, "You didn't do nothing wrong. You killed a black person. Just go home. It's all right. Don't worry about it." Oh my god! And 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 she's got a trial coming up because she breached her promise or her oath as a lawyer. She's not being honest in Fort Worth. So they, they took her down because the father kept on the case. I think the mother was also on the case to get this situation heard. And of course they finally did. And she was exposed. But there's been a pattern where black lives, you know, about black lives matter, no. Where black lives did not matter at all. And we were easily tar targets for them to do whatever they felt like doing. And that pattern is going to continue unless we show some unity within our own. If we can be unified 
and stand strong, people don't bust up on you too tough if they know that you got backup. But when they see the splinter, when they see you're separated within your own selves, when they see us hurting and shooting each other, it opens up the gate for them to do the same thing without much conflict. But if we come together and just be loving towards one another, that in itself is a major weapon that they will all have to fear because our love, whatever we decide to do, is going to be strong. And our love is very strong. But we have to commit to that. And love is a warrior. It's not something punk. It's something very strong and powerful. And we need to recognize that. But um, these are patterns. That's why I feel like I hope I am passionate about how and always have been. And you know that how the arts and you've seen it is so key to our 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 lives and to our creating a self-awareness of ourselves. Absolutely. And learning how to how to it just brings us together in so many ways. And there's so many fun things we can do with that. I mean, you know, it, it could light, it could give us, like um, like the brother said earlier about having that light and having it shine. And when the, when the light comes on, all the roaches run away. It, it, when we shine, yeah, all the critters, all the roaches, the termites, and all the rodents, the things that we don't need, will scatter. Because that, that light is very powerful. And we need to recognize that. It means to walk tall and recognize that we carry that light and that we've always carried that light. That's what's kept us here all this time. Absolutely. Um, and I, 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 I know we, we got, we got about 15 minutes or so, but I do, I don't want to go without having everybody know about your book. You got something coming out, right? I've got a brand new CD out called gratitude and I'm extremely proud of it. First of all, it's saying exactly what we need to know right now. This is a moment where we do need to show some gratitude for just being grateful for our existence, grateful for whatever we've been able to do, grateful for those folks that we care about who are still here, and even the ones who have gone, who were in our lives for however long they were, just be having being grateful for their presence for the moment that they gave us. Uh, so gratitude is something that many of us need to take into account because it makes us recognize it, it, it puts us in another state of existence where we have to look at other people and, and recognize that we're all here to appreciate one another. So I did this project with my family. That's another reason, primary, that's the primary reason why I love this project because it's all family. Uh, my sons, my uh, involved, my daughter-in-law, um, it's, it, my grandson did all the tracks. I mean, it's a beautiful project. So. Uh, and, and as I said, I call it gratitude. And, I'm, and I've got some topics that I deal with, like praise the Lord, for example, is a very uh, interesting little topic. It's one of the pieces where I simply say, I'm, I don't care what your religion is. It could be ooga booga. I don't care. Practice whoever you believe in. But don't make your religion a weapon against my religion. Don't use your religion like it's a sword to cut off my head. That's not working. You know, if you are, if you have a God that you worship and love, your God shouldn't be a killer. He should be a healer. And 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 I don't care what you call your God. I don't care how you worship. I don't care if you stand on your head and pray. Whatever you do, that's what you do. And don't begrudge me what I do. And I want and I and so I try to mention this in this piece. And I say, if you show love for any living thing or and all, or all living things, you are in fact praising the Lord. As a matter of fact, I start the piece out by simply saying, if you take off the P, you got raise. And that's what we must do, raise the Lord that's in us. Because if the Lord built everything outside of us, whatever in us, he built that too. So we are just as much a part of God as God is a part of us. So we need to realize that. So that it's a self-empowering piece, and it makes you realize your inner strength. And I'm proud of that. And that's my latest piece. And people can get it on whatever apps they have that let them know about new music. Name of the CD is Gratitude. I do have a new book out, a new book of poetry, and it's called Naked, and that can also be gotten easily. Uh, it's, it should be available because Chicago uh, Distribution is, has been managing that, and they have distributions everywhere, so Naked is also available. But what, I, what it is, Ipe, I, I try to, 
you know, I have to make every breath accountable. I can't just breathe and not account for my breathing, you know? And, and so I'm trying my best to just live up to my assignment. People always want to give me all kinds of kadoos for this, that, and the other. I don't fix toilets. I don't do cabinets. I can cook for myself, but I'm not a big time chef. I'm a poet and I write songs and this is what I do. Everybody has an assignment. We all have something that we can do. I pray and hope that I just do whatever it is that I do well enough for folks to show the love. And so far they have shown love. The one thing I do know about black people, when you do something good and they appreciate you, they show their appreciation. Black people do not front on that. If no. you, I mean, if, if, you, if you have endeared them and honestly, and they feel you, man, I've gone to restaurants here in Harlem where I can't even buy my own food because they show love. They say, listen, your money ain't even good here. I mean, it's just, and, it, and it, it makes me feel so good. I've caught cabs where I'm trying to talk wall off to the cab driver because I know the cab driver's from Senegal. And I talk about Senegal and the places I've been. I get to my destination. Cab driver say, you know, pay, you know, pay. You're my brother, you're my brother. You know, we are, we are longing to connect with each other. We have a thirst. It's almost like we're starving for that kind of camaraderie. We need to be in touch. We need to take off the veil and connect. And that's what I've been doing. And I appreciate it so much. And I, and, and I know I have faith that we're going to be okay. There will be casualties. You know that, Ife. Ain't nothing going to happen without us having some casualties. There are going to be some people who are not going to be here. There will be some people who hurt, whatever. We know that that's going to continue. But I'm hoping that you and I and some other folks will actually be on the other side of the storm and enjoy a better day. Oh, absolutely. And and, and you talking about that, too. I was thinking about you've been around. I mean, has it been 50 years now? Oh, come on. The last post are 54 years old. 54. And I just had a birthday recently, so I'm in my 70s. So, hey, life so how, goes on. How, when, when you started, and now you see, and, I'm, and you still got the young men coming up to your house. I have a bunch of surrogate sons, yes. The uh, evolution. Um, how's the evolution of, of the it, of poetry been? I, you know what? There are a lot of young men and young women who really have got a handle on everything because that's happening. We have some brilliant people within our ranks, and I'm so proud. Um, I look at my son, my oldest son, Farrell. He's a historical wizard. I mean, if you want to know something about because he studied under uh, 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 um, uh, uh, John Henry Clark and Dr. Ben. So, and then he, then he found... Once you study under those folks, you develop a, a love for history where you start reading and studying on your own. And Pharaoh has done that. And I got sisters who I started writing and now they're writing their books. Or they're writing stories, short stories and novels. I mean, I've been very, very fortunate to have people around me who wanted to, to be encouraged or motivated to do something with their lives. Because that's what I feel like is my one of my things is not... Uh, I mean, I call myself a teacher, but really I'm a facilitator. I just want to show you how you can take care of yourself. And and I've been able to do that. And I've been able to see some changes amongst us that are very promising and hopeful. And it gives me a sign that tomorrow's going to be okay. I mean, I, you know, there's some things that we do that look like we're taking some steps backwards sometimes. But around me, I have had the pleasure and the privilege of being around some real sharp young folks who are taking care of business. And I can call on them in a moment's notice if I need them. They are there. Uh, I mean, I, I got too many things in my house that are gifts from young folks who just feel like I've done something good for them and they had to do something good for me. I always tell people, I haven't bought, I've not bought myself a pair of sneakers in 40 years because I play basketball and the kids know it. So whatever latest pair of sneakers is ours, if it's LeBron James got a brand or somebody else got a brand, I got them because my boys always give me the latest in sneakers because they figure Pops has got to be up to date. You know, so so they make they sure they look out for me. That's what we do. We really care about people and and we 
want to, and and we feel that they honestly have shared their love with us. We want to share our love with them. And I've been the recipient of that love. I know how valuable my people are. I'm 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 messed up when I see black folks joining the ranks of others and not looking at the source of all this love that is existing on the planet. We got it. And when we nurture it, when we share it with each other, oh my goodness. You know, it's like eating eating food without silverware. You know, it's just get in there with your hands and go down and you share and you trust that those people's hands are clean and that nobody's passing any germs. And you eat and you smile and you enjoy and you live. And this is what it's about. So I'm at a point right now where I am quite around a few young folks who want to do something. I've participated just this, in the past two years during the pandemic. I participated in four people's CDs. These are all young men who are doing their CDs, and they wanted me to participate on there. Different topic. One brother did a CD called Salute to the Ancestors. And I told him from the beginning, I said, that is an honorable thing to do because <laughs> those that's, those that's the wind beneath our wings. Our ancestors are always there. I don't care what God you believe or don't believe in. You know you came from some people. Give those folks respect. And that's our ancestors. That's the spiritual base of our existence. So I participated with that. Another brother uh, did something um, called Mind Your Business. And he was trying to deal with it in, in, in two different ways. Mind your business. In other words, take care of what you got. Because we're rich within. We are diamond and gold and uranium and platinum within ourselves and we need to mine that we need to go ahead and make sure that the wealth in us exists and we don't cheapen ourselves or act like we're cheap or act like we're worthless we're worth much more than money can buy and we need to handle that recognize the gifts that we've been given and at the same time uh you know so he wanted me to participate in that and i did and and, and so there are a number of projects uh, young people are doing that I have participated in to give me hope that we're moving to another level. And I and I know that, you know, you and I both have been working with young people for some time. And many and and some of them get it. Some of them want to play a little longer than others, but we have quite a few who've taken us seriously enough to make some moves. And there that's is, what I appreciate. There's definitely in, in New Haven, there's a renaissance happening. Um yeah, oh yeah. Throughout Connecticut, a renaissance happening of um young people who are creatives and are making and are doing things for themselves. What I, what I admire in a lot of them is that, you know, they not, um, as they, they may have college degrees or whatever, but they want to explore things and create things for themselves. And that is, that is so inspiring and it's helping me stay young. <laughs> of course. That, and you see, and you got I shouldn't say stay young. I want to say mature well because yeah, but yeah, but you got but you bring something to the table. You you've got that spirit. You're not an old fogey. You're you're up to date. You you know you you got. It's about the energy. It's about the it's about the focus, and 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 at the same time, it's about that compassion too. And you and you, we have that. And once you show that, I mean, I got this one young man that comes here. He, he sometimes sometimes I say he comes a little too much because when I don't expect him he's here but he's always but he's got skills he can help me get if my computer messes up he fixes stuff he get, he's giving me a, a leather jacket he'll buy this about it I'll say Andrew you got to stop doing this but he's but as far as he's concerned this is his way of showing me how much he respects and cares about me and I got that I have a hard time sometimes accepting all of these accolades because. You know, I just, I mean, that's just me. I'm not too crazy about that stuff because I think what I'm doing is just my order of business. I like, this is what I'm supposed to do. But it's always good to be appreciated. I cannot tell a lie. So, so when people show appreciation, it does make you feel very good. And I do believe that we've got a crew of these young kids, like you say. There's a renaissance going on in a lot of places because a lot of our young people have seen the circle turn for us, and they don't like the way it's been turning, and they have made a plan to change it. And that's the responsibility of every generation. Every and generation so is responsible for change, making the change in their generation. Absolutely. You know, and we, 
and we got that respect the the former because we all have made our mistakes along the way Absolutely. but information is responsible and and um there i'm hopeful because i know there are a lot of i know a lot of young people that i'm connected with and that i see rocking and rolling out here right getting their hustle on and doing some positive things um and and making making history now oh, so yeah. our last five minutes um what what words would you have to say for like continuation of Black history in in everyone's lives celebrating? Uh well, first of all, we definitely need to go through the book of inventions and just remind us of some of the things that we invented while we were here. Like I was looking at here and now, which is the show that came on after. Gil Noble passed away, and like it is, was no longer on TV. Oh, um, they have this um, uh, Sandra Bookman. She does the show called Here and Now, and today she touched on Lewis Latimer. And you know, these kids are not going to get that information in school about Lewis Latimer uh, because we, we, many of us, pay our light bill to Thomas Edison or to the, or to or Con Ed or whatever. When it was Lewis Latimer whose light stayed on, Thomas Edison's light did not stay on him. Uh, Lewis Latimer also worked with, with Alexander Graham Bell. So he's got something to do with the phone as well. So here's a brother who was a scientist, a, 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 a genius, who did a bunch of stuff that many of us don't know anything at all about because he was black. Um, I mean, so there's there are a lot of brothers and sisters like, I, I I did a workshop with some kids at a um, shelter on Thursday, every Thursday. I, my fact, I've been doing it for a couple of years. And I wanted them to have some knowledge of Black history contrib contributors. So I put down a bunch of names, about 20 names. Um, um, Wilma Rudolph, Jack Johnson, Madam C.J. Walker, Paul Robeson, Daniel Hale Williams, Dr. Charles Drew, Harriet Tubman, Bessie Coleman. I put down a bunch of names. And I wrote down what they did. So so my assignment to them, since I was doing it online, since I was doing it by, you know, Zoom, I wanted them to pick what name they thought was interesting based on what they had done. So these uh, the, the girls were looking at the list. This one girl, I said, when you get a name that you want me to talk about, raise your hand. So she raised her hand. And I said, yes, what is it? She says, Madam C.J. Walker. So I said, um, okay. She was the first female millionaires in America. I said, I didn't say the first black. I said the first female because there was no woman who had amassed that much money on her own who was black or white. And Madam C.J. Walker surpassed it. And I said, her money came from creating products that went with your hair, that went for conditioning your hair. I said, she also was responsible for setting up the beauty parlors, which is a place where women gather like the barbershop is for the men. I said, so, and she got very wealthy she has a mansion to this day. I think she still owns it or a family on the Hudson, a place upon the Hudson. Yeah. So she was a very wealthy person. And so, and it's discussing that. We, I turned it into a poem, poet of Kasama. I said, I want you to write a little poem about what you would do if you had a million dollars. And uh, it was so funny because all the kids, they're about fifth, uh, say in the fifth grade, fourth grade, sixth grade. Um, uh, yeah, I think the, maybe the latest is in the yeah, sixth, sixth grade is probably how they go. But all the kids said they wanted an iPhone. That's the person that they buy with their money. <laughs> get, get an iPhone. And then they, then they saw them out. They would take some money and build housing for folks because they all need that because they were in a shelter. And they would provide some food and clothing for those that didn't have it. It was in the part that really got me deeply was when they said, and I'd give some money to my dad. And I mean, that was really, it, it struck me in a different way because a lot of times mamas looked out for them, but all these kids, about five of them said that they would give money to their dad. And that was quite interesting mm. because they said that they were thinking about their father when it came to their cash. But it's really interesting. We So, you know, just to entertain us ourselves with the knowledge of what we've done, who we are, Talked about Wilma Rudolph being a, 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 the fastest woman on the planet, but born with polio, where she had braces on her legs. I mean, like a miracle child. She could walk when she was a kid and learn how to run faster than anybody else on the planet. I mean, you talked about Jack Johnson. I mean, it was interesting. It's a plethora. We, it's, a, huh? it's, 
it's a, it's so many things, dude. So many, and and this is these are conversations that families need to have. You know, they don't have to like. But make you it, know what, dude? The the parents don't didn't get it either, and we have to wrap up. We could be we could be talking for another whole hour, but right, right. <laughs> on the knowledge. Um, and I, I really appreciate you um, adding to our Black History Month <laughs> conversation yeah. and all the knowledge. I do, always. So um, we're going to close out now. And um, I'll be back in two weeks. With, um, Culturally Lit has, um, we have Diaspora Con coming up, a celebration, oh, a celebration conference on graphic novel and comic book industry. And the opportunities that um, people have in those industries. That's a whole nother genre that right. we are taking over. Wakanda forever. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and all of that. So we're going to say goodnight. Well, thank you so much, baby. I enjoy myself and you take care of yourself. All right? You too. All right. Welcome to the Lit Podcast, presented by Culturally Lit. Culturally Lit is an 